0: I'm Dr. Eileen Hale, the COO of TTELT, Teaching Tips for English Language Teachers. We also have another board member with us today, Kira Sage. Would you like to introduce yourself, Kira? Hi, I'm Kira Sage, and I am the CDO of TTELT. And together we're going to be interviewing Mark Hancock. Who specializes in pronunciation tips for teachers, and we will allow Mark to give a formal introduction of himself. Welcome, Mark. Can you please just give us a little background for our audience and listeners where you are? Yeah, <laughs> and,
1: yeah I'm a, uh, I'm uh, over in a small island across the Atlantic, uh, uh, England, uh, United Kingdom. I, uh, that's where I was born and raised, and then. Uh, I moved abroad when I started teaching English. I went, first of all, to Sudan and then Turkey um, and Brazil. Brazil was where I started with the business of uh, getting interested specifically in pronunciation. I'll tell you a bit about that later. Uh, and then after that, went to Madrid in Spain for uh, 20 years or so. And uh, I recently returned to live here in Chester in England. And i uh, been working from Chester ever since. Uh, I do uh, teaching and teacher training. And most of all, I guess I'm an author. I've written quite a lot of books, uh, course books and stuff, but also specifically about pronunciation. So I can tell you about those if you like. But uh, only if you ask me.
0: Yes, wonderful. Let's jump in to what you'd like to share with our audience, um, teachers from around the world, specific aspects of pronunciation you mentioned, a couple examples you might give to our listeners.
1: Yeah, I was thinking about the questions you're asking me about what's what's so powerful about pronunciation games, and uh, I want to make the point that there are at least Three kinds of things that pronunciation is, and it's not one thing like a lot of people imagine. And so I'm going to, I'd like to describe three types of pronunciation activity, games, if you like, that focus on different areas of pronunciation. So the first I would call puzzles. Puzzles are are specifically uh, intended to help the learners understand things, to raise awareness. It's about brain work, because part of pronunciation is brain work. And then there are pair works. Pair works are the kinds of activities where pronunciation is used to communicate. So there are activities which help students to understand that pronunciation creates meaning uh, it's not just for decoration, right? It's not just a question of a pretty accent. It's a question of getting your meaning across. And then the third type of activity, which I'm gonna call poems, but it includes any kind of text really, chants, raps. Um, these, these are really good for articulation work, for the muscle that you need, the mus- muscular movements that you need to create sounds and also to remember how they sound so both speaking and listening so they're very different focuses and all are important and you need to think about all of those three things when you're teaching pronunciation you need to work out what the students need and then work out the best way to deal with it so can i just show you one example of each of those would that be all right
0: sure that'd be wonderful
1: okay so this is an example of a maze. And uh, for those people who can't see this, can't see this who are listening to the podcast. This is a maze. It's a, a grid of squares uh, with A in the top uh, left-hand corner and B in the bottom right hand corner. And uh, the, all of the squares have words in them. So the objective is to go from the top left to the bottom right, going through the squares only if they contain a word with the target sound. In this case, the target sound is the vowel sound, a. So if you, up in the top left corner, you've got the phoneme a, and then you have a choice. You can either go down to have in the box below or across to gave in the box to the right. Which one of of those two words has the vowel sound a? have or gave. Hopefully your students are now going to draw a pencil line on, or draw their finger across if you're doing it on screen to the word gave. And then they've got further choices they can carry on down going through until they reach the end. And uh, all of the words in the path have this vowel sound in the middle. The next next stage though is that uh, once you've got the students to do the puzzle, The most important thing is to get them to reflect on it. Look at the spelling of the words in the correct path. How many different spellings are there for the sound a? So in gave, for example, you've got a something e. That's your first spelling for a. The next word is plain, so that has the same pattern. But the word after that is plain with a i in it actually the same pronunciation as plain but two different spellings really weird right sometimes students can't believe that those two words have the same pronunciation because the spelling is different and this is the point about puzzles like this is to raise awareness of uh patterns in english in this case spelling patterns so when you do this kind of puzzle make sure you talk through the uh, the the learning point which is different spelling patterns so that's the that's the first type of activity but it's all brain work if you give it to your students you can see them uh, they're sort of uh, doing it maybe in silence usually they sub vocalize to themselves they're doing kind of mental pronunciation which is weird right We, we don't normally think of pronunciation as being a mental thing but this is mental pronunciation and it's important so that was the first type of thing. It's an example of a puzzle. Uh, the second uh, kind of activity is what I've called a pair work. Let me uh, find an example of that. Oh yeah, here we go. This is uh, a street map, and uh, it's got uh, it's a grid of streets in a map. You've got two streets going top to bottom, and then four streets going horizontally, and the, the names of the streets are rather tricky because they're a bit similar to each other. You've got tab street, and then below that you've got tap street, tab street, tap street. So it could be a little bit confusing for some uh, learners of English because they sound rather similar, yeah? You've got rib street and rip street, and then the verticals robe street and rope street. So here you can see that we're focusing on the difference between two consonants, the B and P, which are particularly tricky for some learners. For example, Arabic-speaking learners have big difficulty with that. In Arabic, there's no difference between those two consonants. But also the vowel is slightly shorter in front of the P, so the vowel sound is slightly different in those two. Tap street, tab street, So a lot of learners find difficulty with these consonants at the end of a word, particularly. So the objective in the game then is to give directions to one of these coffee bars, which are A, B, C, D. They're marked on the map with letters of the alphabet. You you, uh, explain how to get to one of those coffee bars. And then the listener, the student, has to tell you which bar they've gone to. So if I say, for example, it's on the corner of Tab Street, and Rope Street. Where do you think we've got to? <laughs> uh, okay, Kyra, you're lost, I guess.
0: Eileen, <laughs> how are you doing? I can imagine it's pretty funny. You get some comical laughter in the classroom as well.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I'm asking you which coffee bar am I talking about? Can you see it?
0: Are we are we at the the B bar? Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, so that, there you go. That's uh, communication game is designed so that it focuses on a specific pronunciation point so you can do it where you tell the students which bar to go to in the way i just did do that a few times see if students have any problems if they have a problem then try to explain the difference in pronunciation to them Uh, and then student one of the students in your class they can say one of the places and then you have to say which one it is so it reverses the order and then if you've got more than one student you can do it in a breakout room or if you're in a real classroom you get them in pairs doing it in pair work the great thing about this activity is that it focuses on getting the meaning across there is no right or wrong there's no correct or incorrect there's simply does it work and that to me is the crucial point about pronunciation it's not about accent it's about does it work do you can you get your meaning across so this kind of activity focuses on that communication
0: that sounds very effective that's great activity mm. thank you so that's like an
1: example of one of these pair works I'm talking about a map in this case and then a the third type of activity totally contrasting to those two and it reminds me a little bit of what, Eileen, you were talking about in one of the previous podcasts, which were the jazz chants, right? As yeah, yeah. an
0: example.
1: So, you won't get fit just sitting on a seat. If you want to get fit, got to get up on your feet. Don't feel that seat, got to move a little bit. Kick your feet to the beat, feel the heat, that's it. You won't get fit just sitting on a seat. If you want to get fit, got to get up on your feet. Don't fill that seat, got to move a little bit, get your feet to the beat, feel the heat. That's it. Awesome. So this (laughs) this kind of thing, you would do it like, uh, you'd say one line and the students repeat. You can say shorter parts as well. If the students are having difficulty, you can just do little bits like on a a loop, like uh, on a seat, on a seat, on a seat, on a seat, on a seat. Like that. So you can drill it, get the students repeating and, the, the focus here is articulation, getting, they're getting their tongues around the foreign language here. So this is great for speaking muscular work, also for, li- for getting their ears adjusted because they're very memorable, this, these kind of things. So they, they can kind of hear in their inner ear long after you've finished. It's going round in their head. Uh, uh, this particular one, This particular example, by the way, uh, has a focus as well, in addition, on uh, the difference between E and E, as in feet feet and fit. So there are plenty of examples of pairs with that difference in them. So this kind of activity, I think, complements the other two. The three of them work together, yeah.
0: Definitely, do you design these all yourself?
1: Yeah, yeah, I've been at it a long time, though.
0: Yeah, yeah, they take a lot of work to create. You have a lot of creativity. It's like being a songwriter <laughs> to create these sort of like. Jazz
1: I, I I don't think uh, it's a rocket science. You know the uh, that uh, maze. You can make your own mazes. It's it's, uh, it, it's just a grid of squares. All you ha- all you have to do, or your student, you can get students to make their own for for their colleagues to do. You have to just think of a list of words with the the target sound in them uh, for the street map you just have to invent some names of streets wow. just invent names that have differences that your students have difficulty with and for these kind of wraps, well maybe that one's a little bit difficult to come up with but uh, let me just show you uh, an example of one that st- you can make for yourself quite easily I think uh, see if I can find it Oh, oh, I haven't got it, but uh, just uh, just like this, a list of fruit: pears and peaches, uh, figs and dates, oranges and kiwis, plums and grapes. Say that a few times, and it starts to sound like uh, Frère Jacques, the, uh, the the French traditional song. Right. And it's, uh, it's easy to make your own like that. It's uh, and it's got some great examples of linking pears and peaches, zum peaches, plural endings, and linking, pears and peaches. So so really easy to make. You can just exploit one sentence out of of your course book. If you repeat it a few times, it starts to sound like a chant. It's magic that way. So yeah, you might say that it takes a lot of work to make these things, but I think you can do it for yourself quite easily.
0: That's wonderful, these are fabulous examples. Thank you for sharing them. And sharing the magic of how we can create our own based off of whatever teaching context for our teachers out there. Mm -hmm. For those teachers who may not be quite as creative as you, like how did you get started in this specializing in pronunciation and working with certain sounds, particularly related to language backgrounds? Um, You mentioned Spanish and Other language backgrounds, Arabic, how did you focus your teaching? If you have more than one student group in your class with different language backgrounds, how do you address the different issues that they might have difficulties with based on their first language? Okay, lots of questions questions there. there. (laughs) Okay, first
1: off with the the history, history was uh, I was working in Brazil in uh, a network of language schools called uh, Cultura Inglesa. And uh, I had some administrative hours, and they said, "Can you make some materials for teaching pronunciation?" Uh, and so I started that way. Uh, it wasn't didn't come from me; it came from them. They said, "Do this and that," and I just I just did it, and uh, that eventually led to uh, this book, which was Pronunciation Games, 1995. This came out, but that, that's how it started in Brazil. Um, and I just naturally want, wanted to find um, a way of communicating about pronunciation that doesn't, doesn't have to be academic. A lot of the material around at the time and still today has a very academic uh, look about it, which is off-putting, makes people think, well, that's not for me. If you, I don't think that's necessary at all. Um, The kind of approach I've just demonstrated with those three activities, I think, shows you that it doesn't have to be academic at all, and uh, it can be fun. In fact, I'm fairly convinced that it's the most fun part of any lesson, if you do it right, because it takes you away from, it's heads up, isn't it? It takes you away from texts and grammar and stuff. It's the only part of language teaching, which is both physical and mental, so it crosses the the barrier. And I think that's makes it very varied and interesting. Now, let me see if I can remember any, any more of your question. You asked uh, about uh, different uh, language groups, right?
0: In the same classroom. So you have Spanish speakers, yeah. Arabic speakers, and Chinese speakers all in the same classroom. How do you address the different linguistic challenges that they have based on their first language? Well, uh,
1: If if you're teaching somewhere like the United States or UK, you're likely to have uh, learners from different backgrounds. If you're teaching in Brazil or Spain, probably they all have the same language background. That kind of makes it easier in one way. If they're all from the same language background, you can work out all of the tricks of the trade relating to that particular language background. Like if it's Spanish, you can work out all of the things which Spanish learners typically have a problem with and you can focus on them the downside is that the students can understand each other perfectly well even though their um, pronunciation would not be understood outside of a spanish-speaking country so it doesn't give them the experience of trying to communicate they can always slip into spanish so yeah, there's pros and cons of that. But you are asking specifically about teaching in a circumstance where you have uh, learners from a range of backgrounds. You've got to do everything you can, in my opinion, to um, do your homework on the back, language backgrounds of the students in front of you. And uh, that may be a, a big ask if you've got 20 different ones. But typically in the, in the classes I do here, there are maybe uh, three Russians, two people from Thailand, uh, one from an Arabic speaking country and maybe a Spanish speaker. That kind of, maybe uh, three, four, five different language backgrounds in the typical class for me. And uh, I try to do a bit of research on the typical problems of those language backgrounds. You can just type on me on the Google search, you know, typical pronunciation problems of Thailand speakers uh, of English. And you you can usually find something there, some information, or you can, there are books like Michael Swan's uh, Learner English. They have chapters on different uh, language backgrounds. So do as much as you can. And uh, if you haven't had time to do that, or it's that you can't find information, you're just going to have to try and find a way of finding out from the students themselves, or just be observant, watch and see what happened, the kind of thing that 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 student has a problem with. And usually you can do a a number of different pronunciation points at once. And uh, that way you can, there's something for everybody. For example, you might teach a group of vowel sounds five or six different vowel sounds in one class and one student might have a problem with that vowel sound another student with that vowel sound if you have a, a range of things that's one way of dealing with what you might call mixed background classes yeah. give a multi-focus pronunciation lesson uh, as for the feedback you can sometimes get the students to actually teach each other. So if you have a student from Japan who has trouble with LR, you can get somebody from a Spanish speaking background who doesn't have that problem, you can get them trying to teach. And uh, it's a great way of uh, sharing out their responsibility. And, uh, and because as you, as you know, uh, teaching is a great way of learning as well. So everyone, everyone benefits
0: definitely. Those are excellent answers for all of our questions. We really appreciate these tips you've given to our teachers. Uh, So just to wrap up this segment of your sharing pronunciation tips for our teachers around the world, uh, do you want to say any final tips for teachers or give any quick summary for what would be most useful for teachers that don't have the repertoire of expertise that you have? How do they start? What do they well,
1: uh, yeah, I would think uh, the first thing is uh, don't worry about accent. In my view, accent is not what we're about here. So if the student has an accent, but they're perfectly intelligible, there's no problem. You don't need to. If it's not broken, you don't need to fix it. And accent is not the, the objective, the goal of pronunciation teaching. Pronunciation teaching is about... Uh, helping learners to be better understood and to understand better that's another point i would like to make that uh, almost more important than speaking pronunciation teaching is about listening so let's say that you teach your students about the difference between e and in one lesson fit and feet and then the next lesson they're back to the same way they were before and you go oh my god this is not working is it don't despair because the student may not be uh, enacting it in their spoken output but they've got it they're aware they'll be aware of the problem so if they say if they get misunderstood one day they'll go ah oh, that's because of that thing the teacher was telling us about with the e and the ear okay so i'll say it again more carefully um, It's just as much about listening and awareness as it is about actually picking things up right away, which doesn't happen. So don't despair when they don't pick up the things you've just taught them. It doesn't work that way.
0: That's a really good one. Can I, yeah,
1: one last point there. Uh, When you're teaching pronunciation, don't talk like a robot, just try and speak in a natural way. Uh, and i know that's difficult when you're focusing on yourself you're focusing on the way you're speaking naturally when you're teaching pronunciation but some teachers they they start to speak in a very 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 uh clear and the, in a unnatural sort of robot robotic way uh, don't do that <laughs> try to be natural in your pronunciation when you're teaching pronunciation
0: Great tips. We thank you very much for all your expertise that you're sharing with us. Are there uh, specific website links where people can go to access your books and resources that you use in your classrooms and might share? Oh with well, I, I
1: could um, I could mention uh, I've got two websites here. Can you see those? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, I, I, I came prepared for this question. There's pronpak.com.
0: Can you spell that for us?
1: P-R-O-N, short for pronunciation.
0: I will pack. make a slide of this. Could you just bring it a little bit perfect? Okay. I'll have to move. <laughs> I got all the That's letters there. And then I'll make a pack.
1: slide. Dot com. And then the other one was Hancock MacDonald. Hancock is my surname. MacDonald, as in hamburgers. McDonald. Mm-hmm. Hancock MacDonald, one word, dot com. So... Uh, The first one is actually a support website for ProngPak, the books that I've written. And Hancock McDonald's is just a general website with loads of articles, materials and stuff all for free. So, yeah, that's that.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so Mm. much for your time, Mark. We've been a wonderful resource for us and for all of our listeners. We hope you may join us for a future workshop. Uh, Kira, any last words for this segment? You'd like to summarize? <laughs> I, I, I love your your three-part system, and it's just it's so cool how that not only do you have this system, but you have opened up different methods for others and how they can adapt it to their classroom and their mm-hmm. specific situation. And I just this is phenomenal. Thank you so much. <laughs> Great you. Thank you. Bye.